Melanie Wilkie, and I hate lies. I hate them because when they're present, believed, and taken as truth, they undermine confidence, rob opportunity, and seed confusion, misunderstanding, and broken relationships. Lies can even kill. Lies take where the truth brings life. But this podcast exists to fight the lies that bind, to reveal truth, and to see wholeness restored to places of brokenness. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me. It is a joy to have you with me for the Fighting Lies podcast, episode 13, where we're going to debunk the lie that being angry with injustice in the world means that we are automatically at odds with God. But before we get started this morning, I wanted to give you a couple of updates. First of all, I am still sick, so continued prayers would be very much appreciated. I'm on week three of the joys of random illness. Um, and I would really like to have my normal voice back because I'm quite certain you can tell I don't have that yet. Um, but the good thing is, I, which is what I really want to share with you today, is that um, there is some bonus content that will be rolling out in the next week or two that I'm pretty excited about. And from the beginning of this podcast, I have been fully aware that my dear friend and co-laborer in Christ, Hannah Vale, Um, was to be a part of this process, and um, sure enough, it's finally coming around to the time where she will be able to jump in and join me for some bonus content, where we're going to be talking about some of the concepts that that are discussed in the podcast episodes. Um, We're just going to be having conversation about questions, thoughts, objections, um, joys, and Uh, some of the great things about God's Word that have just really hit home as a result of um, talking about them out loud in this podcast context. So I just want to make sure that you are looking forward to those episodes because they're coming. Looks like we'll be doing one a month at this point. And also that you would make a great welcome for Hannah because she is um, one of the I don't know how to describe Hannah. She is a joy. She is uh, spicy and sassy and loving and gracious um, and very tender. And so I just want to encourage you all to make her very welcome as she jumps into the Fighting Lies podcast with me. So exciting things to come. And I'm pretty tickled about the whole thing. So It's time now to jump in. It's time now to start fighting a lie that I actually am confronted with quite frequently. And I'm pretty excited to go ahead and bring some truth to this issue today because it is literally life changing. It's transformative truth that I think you guys are going to be really excited about too. Now, it would really be impossible for me to tell you how many different times that this particular lie has come up in conversations that I've had with people, young, old, everywhere in between. Um, And I want to just start by saying this lie is deeply rooted in our culture and in our society. 
And it is a highly unfortunate situation because, well, we'll find out why um, as we kind of move through the different pieces and aspects of this episode today. But I will say right now that it often takes the form of a phrase like this, and that is that any God that would condone or be a part of or sanction behavior like this or behavior like that is not a God that I want to be associated with. That is not a God I would want to follow. I can't help but picture a fist in the air when I hear these phrases, even in my mind, uh, because there's a real anger and angst behind them. And the anger and angst, I think, uh, in my experience so far, has been rooted in the fact that an injustice has been done in the world. And it appears to the person who is saying these things that God is either comfortable with what is being done and indifferent about it, or worse yet, that he is behind it, that he is the source and the author and is otherwise somehow complicit in it. And so, of course, it's natural then to move to the next conclusion that if the Lord is complicit in these injustices, then our anger and our own righteous indignance about these injustices automatically means that we are in direct conflict with him, that we are far from him, and that there's no working together with him because he is the one who has brought this injustice into the world and we will not abide it. The foundational position then that has been adopted as a result of this lie is that each individual who is wrapped up in this lie becomes at odds with God. I really think that we know by now that discerning truth um, out of a host of lies comes from comparing the statement that's being made with the word of God and more importantly, the character and nature of God that we become uh, familiar with through the word. In other words, in this particular case, the, the lie is compared to the reality, the statement um, that God would even be a part of the injustice or behind it or the author of this injustice. We compare that statement with the person of God that we have come to know through the word. And we see then if that statement can hold up. And when it doesn't, we know we have discerned a lie is present. So let's look at this. Because the fundamental premise that leads to the fullness of this lie being um, experienced in our lives is that God is behind injustice and things that are wrong, bent, twisted, or sick, which, mind you, all of those things exist in the world. So the question is, is God responsible for those things? And so we look at his nature. We compare this concept with his nature. And we can do that by once again going back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and um, comparing what we learned about him from the beginning 
with this statement. And so we examine what did God create in the beginning? Did God's intended creation, that thing which he called good and very good, include any of the corruption that we see in the world around us today? And of course, from prior episodes and just from your own reading of these chapters, you will see that the answer to that question is no. That God's heart and his plan and his purpose for humanity was in no way tainted with corruption, injustice, or wrongdoing. And so we can scour the rest of scripture and look at his nature as it is played out from cover to cover. Because again, the word of God says that um, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever that he never changes, that in him there is no variation or shadow of turning. So by this truth, we would know that the God of our original creation is going to be the same throughout our experience here in the world. His, his nature and his person are not going to be different at any point in our timeline, in our lives, or in human history than they were at the beginning. And so we know that the same God that was expressed in Genesis 1 and 2, bringing good and life and peace and joy and hope and fullness into the world, is the same God that we're talking about today as we look at this um, corrupted world in which injustice and hurts abound. And we can then confidently say that because God is the same yesterday and today and forever, and he was good at the beginning, then he has certainly not become corrupt and he has not become the source of injustice that we can errantly assign him to be as we look at the world around us today. And so this ignites some curiosity, doesn't it? Because now we know that the source of that injustice and the hurt in the world that we see is not God because it's not like him. Um, It's not like who he was. And so it's not like who he is today or will ever be. Then the question rises to the surface of, well, who is the source? And I know that we've talked about this in the past, and so I'm not going to belabor this point, but we look at Genesis chapter three and we see exactly who the source of corruption is in the world. That devil, Satan himself, the liar, the deceiver, the enemy of our souls who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He is the author of confusion. He is the author of doubt. He's the author of lies. He is the father of lies, Jesus tells us in um, John chapter 8. And So he is the one that is the real source of the injustice that we experience in the world. And um, I know I've said this before. I'm probably always forever going to say it. We really need to stop giving God credit for the enemy's work in our lives. Um, it It is a lie of its own that the enemy loves to see us by that God is the source of these injustices because then it puts us in a position where we think that we are separated from God in some way, um, when in all actuality, it is Satan himself that we really are at odds with. And this, guys, then is the jumping off point for the remainder of our discussion for today. 
So we're going to switch gears for just a quick second as we talk about why humanity, why you and I wind up even caring about injustice or having feelings about it at all in the first place. Because I think this is something really exciting and important that unfortunately doesn't really get talked about, at least in my own circles. And that is that we were made in the image of God. If we look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Verse 27, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. I think you know how tempting it is for me to just pause and reflect on all the aspects of these verses because they're just so, so good. But um, holding myself together today, I just want to focus on um, the one aspect that we're really needing to see here today, and that is that we were created in the image of God. And as we understand from Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God is good. He's full of goodness. And his desire for the earth and his desire for humanity was good. And so I just want to make sure that we're clear that the reason that you and I have a problem with injustice in the world that we see and live in today is because we were created as the image bearers of God, and God has a problem with corruption and injustice because he himself is good. And he gave us a desire to see good when he created us in his image. I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that again if necessary, because it's so, 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 so important to our understanding, not only of um, God himself, but of ourselves. Guys, I cannot even begin today to stress the vast implications of our creation as image bearers of God. Um, we're focusing on one piece of that today as we look at the reason why we even hate injustice and the reason why we throw our hand in the air against it um, but this is just a conversation that barely scratches the surface of what it means to have been made in the image of God. Guys, this, uh, this reality, this truth of our creation literally impacts every area of our lives. And I hope to goodness that one of these days we'll be able to talk more about some of those things. But if you need to go back and listen and I really, really encourage you to stop, maybe even stop this podcast episode now and really take some time to prayerfully consider, Lord, what does it mean then about me? What does it say about me that you created me in your image? And as I compare your own nature with my own heart's desires, Lord, help me to see the similarities that we share. Because guys, I'm just here to tell you, there's a lot about us as humans that is so reflective of the heart of God, because again, we were made by him 
in his image to serve the earth and to serve one another. So I dare you to really just let your mind wander down that road for a little bit. I would say if you're a journaler, um, stop and take a few minutes to write these things down, even type them into your phone. Um, and just even the few implications of this that you can think of, because I want you to be able to really focus on and ponder and consider not just now, but over time, what it is that you were made in God's image. And this is a great starting place for you to begin doing that. Um, And so I just want to encourage you to do that. But now as we kind of turn our thoughts and our minds back to the question at hand, I just want to tell you that the word that really comes to mind for me is, is amplified. Because here's where we're going to go with this. You and I are imperfect. We are a little broken, a little damaged in um, every aspect of our lives just because we're human. We, we don't have the same kind of judgment that God has. His judgment and his person are perfect today. And we're so grateful for that, I know. Um, but yet we still share this characteristic of, of the Lord's that we desire to see good in the world. We, we hate to see injustice. We hate to see hurt and we hate to see damage done to those around us. We love, love, love our families. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, um, love our children. I mean, these are things that we share with God because again, we're made in his image, but I just want to point out a verse from Isaiah chapter 55 that I think will really be helpful to us here. And those of you who know me well know how much I adore this particular chapter of scripture. And Isaiah chapter 55 um, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is the Lord himself speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And the reason that I love these verses is because the Lord is so gracious to remind us that, yes, we share characteristics with him because we um, are created in his image, but because of the corruption of the earth and the fall We are not like him, and we would never be, honestly. We are his created beings. We're his created um, uh, ministers. We're we're created for his glory and for his his goodness and as a reflection of him in the world. And we we did that great way back in Genesis chapter 2 after our own creation and before the fall. We were um, perfect ministers of God in the world in this in this excellent plan that he had. But after Genesis chapter two, when we kind of sink into the impact of the fall in Genesis chapter three, we really see a separation from God that um, is deep and abiding and that amplifies the differences between us. And so here in Isaiah chapter 55, the Lord God reminds us that we are not like him. And I I say that this is gracious because, guys, we need to remember that he's so much bigger than we are. We need to remember that his um, ways and his thoughts are so much higher than ours. 
um, because he is the stronghold and the strength upon which we can rely when our own thoughts and the weakness of our flesh and um, the limited nature of our understanding really comes back to bite us when we really see that for what it is and all the inadequacy that we bring to the table. Guys, what a joy and what a what an exciting thing it is to remember that God himself is not um, saddled with the same weaknesses that we are. He is not limited by the same lack of understanding that we experience. His thoughts are, are higher and better than our thoughts, and his ways are higher and better than our ways. We literally can't produce those great and mighty things, but we know the one who can. And this is why this is just such a precious, precious statement on God's part. It's almost like, you know, don't worry, guys. Come, and he even says in verse 6 and 7, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he was ne- while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The Lord is saying, come back to me. I'm the one with all the strength. I'm the one with the perfect understanding. I'm the one with a perfect acknowledgement and perspective on, I'm the one who has all the things that you need. I'm the one who sees all. I'm the one whose ways can be a solution to the brokenness that you're experiencing in the world. So he says, come back, um, seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. It's an invitation really to rest on the high and good and profoundly perfect ways of God that we cannot produce on our own in this world. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I love a great invitation and that's one that I just can't resist. And I, I hope that that would be the case for you as well. And so it's from the backdrop of both our similarities and our differences to God that we really dig deep into the truth of God's word that says we are actually most like God, not at odds with him when we see injustice in the world and it's something that angers us and calls us to action because God himself also hates injustice. And let's not forget, it's so much more than we hate injustice, as we understand from his statements in Isaiah chapter 55. It's kind of like everything we can do, he can do better. Everything we hate, he hates more. And he takes action in the face of it, always right action even. And will continue to do so until the day that the whole world is redeemed, as we know is coming, compliments of that mighty book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and specifically chapters 21 and 22, where the Lord takes us back through the lens and scope of life and redemption to his original Genesis chapters 1 and 2 plan for humanity. Guys, it's coming. Now, I can't resist but to share this little thing with you about my own history and background. I I grew up in a household where hate was like a dirty word. Hate was a word that I was taught very early was not ever to be used. It's a bad word. 
And so I like to say, imagine my surprise when I open up the word to read it for myself um, and discover that God uses the word hate, that in his very own statements, the Lord uses the word hate. And it reminds me of Paul's instruction by the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4 when he says, um, in your anger, do not sin. It's not a prohibition of being angry because, again, even God becomes angry, but it's a prohibition of sinning out of anger, a very different thing. And the big difference between God's anger and our own is that God's anger is always righteous, where our anger really has to be examined for hints of unrighteousness. Maybe the motive of our anger isn't um, injustice itself, but maybe the motive for us being angry is our own pride or woundedness or uh, something got in the way of something that we wanted out of even selfish ambition. God doesn't struggle with those same limitations. He doesn't have a selfish ambition. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't, there's no unrighteousness in him. So we know for a fact that God's anger, when in, in fact he is angry, is a righteous anger and a purely righteous anger. And so I want to turn for a minute to, I guess, again, one of my favorite passages of scripture in Proverbs chapter six, because such an excellent insight into how God actually feels about things that wound and bring strife and division among men. Remembering, of course, how he feels about strife and division in the first place, right? So we're looking at Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 16, where it says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. I hope you can see the commonality between all of these seven things that are referred to as abominations to the Lord, things that he hates. And that is that they all bring destruction, injustice, and division to the relationships that men and women um, and humanity at large will experience in the world around them. Each of these lead to deeply personal losses in life. For example, when someone looks at me with a proud look, it makes me feel small and creates inadequacy, fear, and confusion inside my relationship with that one. Or vice versa, should I look at someone with a proud look, I could create insecurities and fears in a precious son or daughter of Christ. Clearly, he wouldn't want that. Clearly, he hates the kind of division that comes from that. And I think we'd all agree that he should. And further, so should we. And so we walk through the list of the remaining offenses and we evaluate not only what we may have experienced from others, but also we, what we may have um, caused others to experience as well. Lord, have I offered a proud look? Have I been the lying tongue or the hands that shed innocent blood? 
Father, help me to see if my heart has devised wicked plans or Father, to heal from the hearts of those who have devised wicked plans against me. Lord, I see that your feet, that you hate feet that are swift and running to evil, and I can see why. Lord, keep my feet from that path and protect me from those whose feet are on that path as well. And Lord, may I not be a false witness or be subject to a false witness who speaks lies. And I would not participate in sowing discord among brethren And Lord, I say and I ask that you would deliver me from those who sow discord among brethren, all of which you hate, and all of which, as an image bearer of you in the world, I also will hate. So now I just want to come back around to the beginning. And I hope that you can see that it truly is a lie that if I am angry with injustice in the world, it means that I am automatically at odds with God. Because the opposite, the complete and utter opposite is actually true. When you and I find ourselves angry at the injustice that this world dishes out, it actually means that my heart is more aligned with God's heart than ever. I'm going to say it again because it's so, so important. Dear one, when your heart or the hearts of those around you are wrapped in anger with the injustices that are faced in this world and the hideous consequences of them, it absolutely does not mean that you are at odds with God It means that you are more like him than you know. Because as much as you hate the injustice and its tragic outcomes, God hates it so much more. He is not the author and divisor of injustice in the world. He stands against it at every turn. His word is full of the admonition of the Lord to turn away from wickedness, turn away and no longer be instruments of unrighteousness or injustice in the world. His call is constantly that we seek him while he may be found, that we would repent of our wicked ways and begin to live lives full of love and life more abundant and eternal in nature through Jesus Christ the Son. The Apostle Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, admonishes us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, that we stand in Christ against the -the go-with-the-flow nature of corruption and injustice in the world and take a stand to be more like him through the renewing of our minds via his great word. So it's awesome, actually, when we stand with our fist in the air, shaking it in righteous anger against the injustice in the world around us. And it makes us more like God when we do so than unlike him. It brings us closer to him rather than standing as a sign against us that we are farther away from him than ever. 
And I can't help but point out here that the enemy of our soul would love for us to think that in our righteous indignance, we're far from God. Because the moment that we realize that our righteous indignance and fight against injustice is actually so aligned with the heart of God, is the moment that we realize that all the power that God brings to bear against unrighteousness is ours to bring as well. And that, for the enemy of our souls, is a fearful thing. I don't know about you, but I personally love the opportunity to send that thief, robber, and destroyer of souls running. And I can tell you right now that the Lord is looking for those who are willing to stand in opposition to the enemy of our souls. He's looking for those who are willing to stand in the gap on behalf of his people to bring righteousness and freedom for the oppressed. I hope that's you and I hope that's me. I hope that we will each and every one choose to stand against injustice, understanding that all the while God is on our side as we act and move and operate like him more and more in the world every day. But I'm also here to tell you that if we don't, he ultimately will. I want to take a look at an excellent passage of scripture that's found in Isaiah chapter 59. Starting in verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. Verse 6 says, Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. I hope some of these words sound familiar to you because they throw back or forward, as the Holy Spirit wills, to Proverbs chapter 6, where the Lord lays out seven things that he hates and why. Again, because their outcome is hurt and destruction and God would never choose that for us. Here in Isaiah 59, he decries the work of those who choose to walk in crooked paths and who choose to bring lies and their subsequent wasting and destruction that comes from sin into the world around them. We see in verses 14 and 15 that the end result is this. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. 
for truth has fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. This doesn't sound very joyful, does it? And it is the exact opposite of what God's authority would bring, of what his design for humanity was and is for all eternity to come. But for today, here's what we need to know for sure, that the Lord gives us opportunity to stand in the gap on his behalf. But if we won't, he will ultimately bring righteousness and justice and peace back to the world that he has created. If we won't do it, he sure will. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 59, beginning in that latter half of verse 15, when it says, Then the Lord saw it, he saw this outcome, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. The coastlands he will fully repay so that they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. You may recall that last week we talked about the fact, the truth, that the Lord is going to accomplish his word, whether we put our faith in it or not. And this, my friends, is another passage that challenges us to take our place in the world that he has set us in. Because the offer and invitation is clear. Come to me, he says. Seek me. In Ezekiel chapter 18, the Lord is clear that he desires no man to experience death, but he desires for all to repent and live. Turn away from our wickedness, he says. Walk with me. Talk with me. Live more and more in my image every day. And in doing so, we end up being the instrument of righteousness and justice in the world that he has called us to be. We bring light in the darkness. We bring healing when there was brokenness. We bring joy where there was only mourning by the power in the spirit of God that dwells inside of us. The Lord's cry is, take your place. But if you won't, he says, I will accomplish the work myself. This so reminds me of Jesus in Luke chapter 19, when in verse 37, it says that as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to Jesus from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, 
I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. You see, God will have his way in the world. He will see his glory done. He will see himself magnified for his goodness, his graciousness, his long-suffering, his might, and his power. He will see the praise of the nations poured out before him for his graciousness and the peace that only he can offer. And if we don't bring it ourselves, even the rocks would cry out to bring it for him. But we don't want to miss our opportunity, do we? I don't think so. I think we do want to answer the cry of God, and I think we do want to answer his call to our hearts, just as Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, said in chapter 6, at his calling, here I am, he says, send me. I believe that's the cry of your heart today. And I have to say that the first, easiest, fastest, and best way to take your place is to recognize and rebuke the lie that your anger at injustice has set you at odds with God, because it's actually your anger and your discontent with injustice in the world that identifies you as one whose heart is aligned with God's more and more and gives you the strength to act upon His will to accomplish those good works that he has established beforehand that you should walk in them, that we know belong to you because of the word that we find in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that you're his workmanship created for these tasks that bring him honor and rectify injustice. So join me today as we reject the division that this lie brings and recognize and begin to really walk in the closeness with God that comes from knowing that your anger at injustice is actually bringing you closer to God, not further away. As always, I want to just encourage you to reach out should you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns. You can always reach me at fightingliespodcast at gmail.com Send me your testimony. Let me know how God's word has impacted you and changed your world for the better. I'd love to know. And if it's okay with you, I'd really love to share it too. And whatever else you do, be sure to join me next week as we confront the lie that I can love God but hate his people. Because guys, I gotta tell you, that's a dangerous one that we really need to get to the bottom of too. And now my prayer for you remains from Numbers chapter six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This podcast is written and produced by me, Melanie Wilkie, with original music by Mimic the Mind and Blue Marigold.